Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Concerning the mass murder committed at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, you know how the major media deals with, addresses, reports on these terrible occurrences, whether they happen to be some Islamist terrorist attack or whether it happens to be a mass murder or attempted mass murder or whether it happens to be natural so-called disasters or what have you. It is nonstop coverage before the dust has settled. They get in front of the cameras, in front of the microphones, and they go non-stop and just keep repeating the same partial information, misinformation, disinformation, and repeat it for hours and hours ad nauseum and days and weeks, especially when it fits their preferred narratives. Dana Loesch, acting as a spokeswoman for the NRA, the National Rifle Association, she made some odd remarks, very odd. And one thing that she stated was that the major media elite don't believe she referred to them that way. She said the media that they love mass shootings. And why did she say that they loved it? What was her reasoning? It was that they loved these terrible, tragic events, particularly mass shootings, because of the ratings gold. Amazing, remarkable statements. And while you might ascribe this matter of a rising tide lifting all boats, that when there is some terrible event, some disaster, some tragedy on a major scale, that if it bleeds, leads, that it may in fact galvanize many people to... Tune in to the media. But of course, so many tune into the media via the internet now. But, and you might view that as then benefiting all of the major media, major media elites. But that is not truly why the leftist major media elites. have an affinity for these things. No, 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 no. It's because these things fit their narratives. These terrible occurrences enable them and facilitate the accomplishment of their private agendas, such as 
the disarming of the civilian population in the United States of America, which has already been accomplished in the Western world, right? Among the Western nations, among former Christendom, it has been accomplished. It hasn't been accomplished yet in the United States of America, despite all of the continual, persistent, extremely well-funded efforts to accomplish that. But the major media elite, this is one of their cornerstones. These cornerstones, and they have many of them, not just one, many of them. It goes back again to Germany long, long, long ago, long before the likes of Adolf Hitler. Meyer Amschall Bauer, who changed his name to Rothschild or Red Shield, and all the likes, not like Facebook likes, but all the like of him, all of those like-minded who joined with him in conspiracy to attempt to bring about not a national regime in Germany or in some other nation in Europe, but rather a worldwide regime, a worldwide dictatorship. That was the goal. That was the objective. And that goal, that objective continues to this day. And it is embraced by high and mighty people behind the scenes, in front of the cameras, but more behind the cameras, behind the curtains, like unto the Wizard of Oz, behind the curtains, in the corridors of power, but actually behind those corridors. The disarming, the weakening of the United States of America to make it defenseless or at least sufficiently weakened so it can be overthrown. That is a major desire, burning desire, not just a desire, an unquenchable desire of the communist Chinese regime, of Putin's regime in Russia. No, not just those places, but this group that continues to this day. So when mass murders, attempted mass murders occur, the major media gloms onto those. They're all over it, and they will continually add fodder to the fire because those things empower them, enable them, facilitate the accomplishment of one of their very highly prized goals. 
It's not merely disarming the civilians of the United States of America to disarm them. No, no, no. That is not the goal. That is just a sub-goal. It's a necessary step to overthrowing, to destroying the United States of America. And so, you could say they love these occurrences. I don't agree with the wording that they love them, but they do absolutely positively appreciate the usefulness, the utility of these occurrences. President Trump, his latest activity is this matter of a call for comprehensive so-called gun control. But in fact, it contains elements of this, that, and the other thing, but a significant part of it is confiscation. And these are his words. Quote, I like taking the guns early. End quote. Quote, Take the guns first. Go through due process second. End quote. (laughs) Interesting. Now, this is supposedly pertaining to so-called mentally ill people. However, Trump appeared with various senators, high and mighty, powerful individuals with regard to his newly espoused agenda here. So among those was, of course, Senator Dianne Feinstein. Now, what do we know about Dianne Feinstein? I mean, other than the fact that she's hardcore left and has been all of her political career and so forth. But then that truly is the Democrat Party. Yes, there's the occasional so-called blue dog Democrat. But they are um, an endangered species, at least, if not altogether extinct. At least in political life, in political office. But remember Dianne Feinstein, she said that all... That is all, inclusive, all military veterans are mentally ill. All. She's on the record as stating that all military veterans are mentally ill and should be denied ownership of firearms. That's not just some backroom talk 
you know, that was caught on microphone that she didn't know the microphone was on. This is a matter of her proclaiming this on Capitol Hill. That all military veterans, veterans whether they're 19, 20 years of age, or whether they're 90, that all military veterans are mentally ill and should be absolutely prohibited ownership of firearms, denied ownership of firearms. So in other words, if we go back in time, go back to the war for independence, the so-called revolutionary war, all of those, all of the founders who were involved with the actual fight for independence, the likes of George Washington, of course, all of them were mentally ill and needed to be denied ownership of firearms. So this nation, not this country, this country was founded by the true founding fathers, the pilgrims and the Puritans. But this nation, this political entity, was founded by this bunch of mentally ill guys, men. Predominantly white men, of course. According to none other than the illustrious Dianne Feinstein, and now our president, our fearless president, is locked at the hip with Dianne Feinstein in going forward with this. I thought it was fascinating that he said what he said. He said, I like taking the guns early. Fascinating. When has he done that in the past? When has he ever been in a position to do that? When has he ever done that? It would be one thing for him to say, I like the idea of doing such and such. I like the argument for doing such and such. I believe this is the way to go. But no, he says, I like doing this. As if he has done this. (laughs) But it's the way he communicates. Speaking of the matter of the dust not being settled before we are assaulted with round-the-clock reporting on any given event. We're not given some particulars. And then we wait to find out, you know, what really happened. No, no. It's nonstop around the clock. Because the various different media outlets, for one, they're in competition with the other ones. And for two, they don't dare lose a a viewer that's out there that has their eyes on it. These are the plum events 
you know, per the likes of Dana Loesch in terms of the ratings gold. So once they start, they will continue until they basically have to stop and move on to something else or work in some other things. But they have bell-to-bell coverage, you might say. Such as with regard to referencing Wall Street's bell-to-bell activities and coverage via their financial networks. Well, one problem, one enormous problem with this kind of coverage is that the so-called information that is repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated is invariably fatally flawed, misinformation, disinformation. And it plays directly into the hands of these who want to indoctrinate us with their narratives, with their agenda, which they very, very willingly do. You know, on the previous program, I referenced this deputy, actually three deputies, who were found not to have rushed into the building, not to have confronted the shooter, and so on and so forth. One of them being... Deputy Scott Peterson, who stood outside this building for the entirety of the time this took place, according to the sheriff, Sheriff Scott Israel, and did not enter, did not fire a shot. Well, he resigned from the Broward County Sheriff's Office, from being this school resource officer who had been selected as school resource officer of the year in 2014, I believe. But there were a couple other deputies as well. Edward Eason, Guntis Trejas. And... It was made as if, made out as if these are the only individuals that we're talking about. Principally, Deputy Peterson, but then also these other two who were under investigation for having underperformed, my words. And Sheriff Scott Israel only referenced those. We'll come back to that. But before we do, let's reference something else that Sheriff Scott Israel of the Broward County Sheriff's Department stated, and that was that there had been 23 calls, 23 incidents since 2008 regarding 
Nicholas Cruz, and or his brother. 23. Well, Dana Loesch got a hold of information that was a bit different from that. She confronted him about it and said there were 39 calls during that time. This past Saturday, the sheriff's office stated the following, quote, since 2008, Broward Sheriff's Office responded to 23 incidents where previous contact was made with the killer or his family. Stop reporting 39. It's simply not true, end quote. And uh, the sheriff, Scott Israel, made the same claim in a letter to the governor. But interestingly enough, that number has now been increased. Not to 39, but to 45. 45 incidents. 45 calls concerning Nicholas Cruz and or his brother in that time span. Now, you would think that that would draw some attention. You would think that would be a red flag. (laughs) On the last program, I stated that this, to me, was so reminiscent of Columbine. That terrible, horrendous, monstrous mass murder back in 1999, in which the two murderers specifically targeted Christians. The major media, of course, denied it. Absolutely, utterly, totally, completely denied it. It just did not fit their narrative or a narrative that they wanted to be reported. So they denied it and they covered it up. Such is their want. Just like covering up the truth of the abortion breast cancer link. But... What I referenced was the matter of the scenes at Columbine of these extremely heavily armed, heavily protected SWAT team members outside of the high school taking cover behind vehicles. You could say cowering, but perhaps that's loaded language, right? That's characterizing them in an unflattering way, as in cowardly, but refusing to enter the school buildings. Now, you could say they were following orders. You know, they're just following orders. They don't have any personal obligation to do what's right. They have to follow the orders, and if the commanding officers tell them to do such and such, to stand down, to wait, to set a perimeter, so on and so forth. That's what they have to do, right? They're not individually responsible. And yet when we go back and take a look at something like the Holocaust in Nazi Germany and that was committed in its 
surroundings in Poland and Austria, Ulsterreich, and elsewhere, France and Netherlands and Italy and what have you. It always comes down to this. They say, well, these people were individually responsible. It didn't matter what the orders were. It didn't matter what the commanding officers said. They were all individually responsible for their actions or their lack of actions, their failure to act. But when it comes to these situations, such as Columbine, well, if they're ordered not to, then they're just following orders. But the narrative with regard to this one in Parkland, Florida, was that, well, it was just these individuals, right? It was just these individuals, or you could say scapegoats, who failed to do what any honorable, good person would do. That is, especially given that they were armed, they were trained, they were experienced, and they failed to hazard their lives to try to save young people from being massacred. Instead, they just protected themselves. Well, as it turns out, it wasn't just limited to one officer or two or three. It was like Columbine, like I reported, previously reported is perhaps not the right way to put it, but as I stated in the previous program, It was very much like Columbine, even more like Columbine than I imagined, because I haven't seen any of the coverage on TV. No, what happened was the following. As far as for some, to give you some sense of it, of the timeline, the shootings began in Building 12, at 2.21 p.m. Reports kept coming in about shots being fired, but began at 2.21 p.m. in Building 12 or the 1200 building. 2.21. It wasn't until... 2.45 26 minutes later nearly a half hour later that the SWAT team entered the school how do you like them apples hmm how is that how is that possible It's just like Columbine all over again. 19 years later, the big, brave, armed, protected, militarized police forces stand outside while the defenseless young people 
are methodically hunted down and slaughtered. Most of them 14 years of age. Children, and yet in the coverage it refers to them as people, not children. Remarkable. 26 minutes later, the SWAT team entered Building 12. Why is that? Well, it just so happens that apparently a certain commanding officer there was giving orders not to enter, to form a perimeter, to do this, that, and the other thing. A certain officer with the insignia 17S1, which stands for 17 Sierra 1. So all of those people out there, however many of them there are, whose anger and rage is focused on these three deputies, deserving of anger and rage, I might add, they may want to broaden the scope and include this commanding officer, 17 Sierra 1, being the moniker, the insignia, and also all of these officers who failed to act who failed to enter that school for almost one half hour. What did they imagine was going on inside? Hmm? Really? Yeah. You know, these people who have chosen to enter law enforcement, some of them with military backgrounds, These people who have entered law enforcement, who are with the sheriff's office or the police, what have you, who are trained, armed, and protected, unwilling to take on a 19-year-old who is cutting down every child in sight in that building and teachers, coaches, so forth. Well, our president's going to come to our aid because the police, (laughs) dubious, uh, but he's coming to our aid and he's going to see to it that he will further the agenda of disarming the civilian population. The laws on the books prevent guns from being sold to the likes of Nicholas Cruz. We are told over and over and over and over again that we don't need guns for self-defense. We do not need firearms for self-defense, because we have the police. 
We have the sheriff's deputies and so forth. We don't need firearms. Or if you're at a mall, a shopping mall, well, they have the security there. Yeah, security armed with a walkie-talkie or what have you, right? Or one security officer who every now and then drives around the mall parking lots. But you don't need firearms for your protection. The women, the young women, the young mothers and girls, they don't need firearms for their protection. They don't need a force multiplier for their protection. Because after all, we've got all of these police and sheriff's deputies and security officers and private security and so forth who will protect us. And there's always 911. And there were all kinds of security procedures in place at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. All kinds of them. But this fellow was cunning, and he very simply managed to get past them. But even though he very simply got past them, he was spotted well before he entered the building. And the alarm went out. And these who were in the position of being first responders, these deputies, they failed to act. The onus was on them. They were the ones who could have stopped it, dead in its tracks. They were the ones who could have ended the massacre. And they failed to. They refused to. And so then big bureaucracy takes over. Oh, we'll send in the army of police officers. We'll send in the SWAT teams. We'll use overwhelming force. And then we will actually even go so far as to send them into the building 26 minutes after the shooting starts. There's a lot of blame to go around here, as there was at Columbine, as there was at Virginia Tech, as there was at this little school in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where the police stayed outside and let this destroyer slaughter 12 inside instead of forcing their way in. Remember dear old General Patton? Hmm? George Patton, who was vilified by the major media elite of his day, courtesy of dear Dwight Eisenhower, Dwight David Eisenhower Ike, who despised him. And who was not the man that Patton was, was not the general that Patton was, was not the hero that Patton was, was not the boots on the ground commanding officer commanding from the front that Patton was. Patton had no use for cowards. Now, it's not to say that 
Patton or other heroes are devoid of fear, free from fear. Audie Murphy, and so on and so forth. But it's not about how big they are and how heavily armed they are, how well-trained they are, how well-protected they are. It's about their willingness to risk their life to save others. Reminds me of a story back when Ronald Reagan was president. And there was a terrible house fire. This house was engulfed with flames. And this teenage girl, not a first responder, not a fireman, not someone decked out in protective gear, she ran into the house repeatedly and saved her younger brothers and sisters. And she was horribly burned. And she was interviewed sometime later. And she stated something to the effect that she had to do this because she loved them. The bigger, the more institutionalized the settings, the further removed from personal contact and relationship we are, the further removed from love we typically are. People can watch, can look on regarding terrible, horrific mass casualties, mass disasters, and not be moved to the extent that we should be. That we are separated. We are divorced from the reality from those people. There are good and honorable and courageous and valiant police and sheriff's deputies and SWAT team members out there across this fruited plain. Firefighters and first responders and what have you. But there are many that are not. And just as in battle, just as in the military, where faulty leadership is critically destructive, so too when it comes to cases like this. As far as for our president who says, take the guns away first, deal with due process 
afterwards. There was all kinds of time for due process. There wasn't a lack of time for due process here. In another place, at the same time that this was taking place, while this was taking place in Parkland, Florida, in Amarillo, Texas, at a church, there was a would-be shooter who was disarmed by Tony Garcia's when the police showed up, they shot him twice in the back. Now, they mistook him for being the shooter. But it's interesting because there are so many incidents where someone is engaged in committing bloody, vicious, multiple murder, and the police will insist on having them drop their weapons, will not shoot them, will not engage them. There was a mass murder by knife in San Francisco. And this fellow had cut down one person after another after another. And again, the police took him into custody. There was a former sheriff's deputy in, I believe, Oklahoma. Not certain of that, but I believe Oklahoma. Who was working for a business, or perhaps it was his business, There was a former employee who came there armed with a machete and he attacked and he beheaded one woman and was going after another one. And this former sheriff's deputy who saw this, who was right there, did not shoot him. No, that would just be the wrong thing to do, to shoot him. Instead, he took him into custody. And yet here... At this church, where this man courageously wrestles this gun away from this would-be murderer, he gets shot twice in the back for it by the police who are protecting us. You know, when media, when the major media elites refer to hate groups, who do they always picture? What's the face of hate groups? Who are the poster children for hate groups? It's always white supremacists, right? Neo-Nazis, skinheads, whatever. Never blacks. Never. Nor any other race. It's always whites. They are the hate groups. It's the narrative that the major media elite just keeps pounding away at to ingrain that in the public. You know, there's been much made about and continues to be made about Vladimir Putin's regime's cyber activities relative to the 2016 presidential election and trying to link that to the Trump campaign, trying to make the Trump campaign complicit in that. Well, let's stop for a minute and just ask, you know, why would dear old Vlad, Vladimir Putin, have favored Donald Trump 
over Hillary Rodham Clinton, apart from any involvement, any complicity with anybody in the Trump and would-be administration, the Trump campaign, why would Putin have favored Trump? And the answer really is very, very simple and clear. It's not because Trump's his kind of guy. It's because Trump is the kind of person that Putin has all kinds of experience at manipulating and controlling, i.e. his oligarchs, whom he has whipped into line, terrorized, persecuted some, one, two, three, and gets all the rest to do exactly what he requires and robs from all of them. Same thing with Trump. In Trump, he sees one of his oligarchs. Same exact makeup. Okay, the vanity, the conceit, the materialism, the lack of vision, the lack of character. And the list goes on. Someone whom he can control. Someone whom he can manipulate. Someone who has no experience to go up against him. No capability of going up against him. Someone whom he has less than no fear of. Let's compare that with Hillary Rodham Clinton. Hillary Rodham Clinton, horrible person. For sure. And would be worse than a disaster as president. But he knows her track record. He knows her past. He knows that she ran the war room at the Clinton White House for eight years. He knows she ran that operation in Little Rock, Arkansas. He knows what a vicious, ruthless no-holds-barred political operative she is. He knows how many bodies there have been in the body count over the years linked to Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham Clinton. He knows that she is far more dangerous than Trump. It's so funny, the media elites, the DNC, all of these others, they've all portrayed Trump. Going back to the campaign up until now, they've all portrayed Trump as this loose cannon who is so terribly dangerous, and he has his finger on the, you know, the nuclear option, on the nuclear codes, and he could start World War III at any moment, and blah, blah, blah. Putin doesn't fear him. And it's not that he feels that Hillary, pardon me, Hillary Rodham Clinton is the most competent person in the world or the smartest woman in the world, and all these things that she tries, has tried for decades, continues to try to persuade the American people that she is, but rather 
He knows that she is utterly ruthless like him, murderous like him, will stop at nothing to accomplish her agenda. So Donald Trump was far, vastly preferable in Putin's eyes. But in addition to that, Putin, who despises the United States of America and so forth, and who's a very prideful man, he delights in being able to stir the pot and to display his superiority, if you will, over the United States of America and to mess with, you know, the so-called democratic process. Supposedly, the Russian military is still not equal to that of the United States, supposedly. Despite the fact that they continue to come out with absolutely outstanding new technology, while our outstanding new technology keeps being pirated immediately, instantly, before it's in production by communist China and undoubtedly by Putin's Russia as well. You know, to communist China, then to North Korea, over to Russia. All of them get to use it. Russia, Putin's fascistic regime, has more nuclear weapons than the rest of the world put together. But of course, he would never use them because that would supposedly be suicidal. Nothing suicidal about it. And the fact of the matter is, the United States of America does not dare do anything to Putin, to Russia, militarily, lest Russia respond. Putin is bent on his regime being the greatest regime on the face of the earth. And he will continue to pursue that. Dictator for life, just as Xi Jinping in communist China has made himself President for life, a.k.a. dictator for life. The next Winter Olympics will be staged in Beijing, communist China, despite all of the myriad evils committed continually by the communist Chinese regime against Christians. Yes, much has been mean made about, oh, their opposition to the Muslims. In this province. But the fact of the matter is, just a, and that's just as in Africa where, or Darfur and so forth, where there's no interest unless it's Muslims that are dying. But continual, grievous persecution of Christians. And yet, the Olympics, those peace-loving Olympics, are going to be held in Beijing again. Something to look forward to.
Because after all, communist China, it just speaks of peace and freedom and what have you. Well, Vladimir Putin, his background is very similar to that of Adolf Hitler. Very similar characteristics, very similar background. And I'll share more with you regarding this particular Russian bear during the next program. Until then, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.